Hello and welcome to the Sports Coaching Podcast with me, Sam Elmshaw. Today you're listening to a brand new season, season three, which we are absolutely delighted to bring to you. We've uh, we've got a lot to look forward to this season. We've got some uh, fantastic guests lined up once again. So to kick off season three, I was delighted to be joined by Sam Jackson, who is the current first team women's manager at Farsley Celtic Women in Leeds. So in this episode today, we chat all about coaches' perceived capital in football coaching giving both our insights on what capital is to us and the effects of perceived capital in football coaching in our experience. In segment three, we get slightly sidetracked and we go on to discuss our experiences in women's football and the current condition of the women's game here in England. However, it's still a fantastic listen, some uh, really great points made by Sam throughout the podcast. Sam provides some really great advice for any young coaches listening at the end of the podcast. So if you liked the episode or in general like our podcast, please do leave us a review on any of the platforms that the podcast is distributed on. We've got lots lined up for this new season, so hope you've enjoyed this episode today and look forward to having you with us throughout this season. The Sports Coaching Podcast with Sam Holmshaw. Okay, welcome to the first episode of a brand new season three, season three of the Sports Coaching Podcast with me, Sam Omshaw. Absolutely mm-hmm. delighted to welcome Sam Jackson on the podcast. Sam, how are you doing? Pleasure to uh, finally have you on. I know we've been doing this, trying to get around to recording for a couple of months yeah. now, but we're finally here. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm not too bad, pal. Not too bad at all. Uh, so yeah, look, I, you know, I know we're obviously still in this COVID situation, so I, I always ask everyone, uh, how's everything been for you? How's it impacted your coaching? How's it impacted yourself? Have you managed to pull through? Yeah, I've been, uh, luckily I've been one of the ones that hasn't, hasn't managed to be affected by it. But, um, you know, in terms of the coaching, I think every, every coach has been affected by it. I think, you know, whenever you don't do something for a few months, I think you come back a bit rusty, don't you? So there's been, uh, there's been some frustrating sessions so far on my part um, with, with the rustiness of my own coaching and, and getting out of that sort of routine that, that I'd usually go through. Uh, but we're, we're getting there and we're, we're, getting onto good, we're getting onto a good track. Yeah, certainly, uh, certainly agree and understand your frustration there. Exactly the same for me. Took me a good six or seven weeks to finally get back to myself coaching, and it, 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 you know, it was definitely quite a tricky and frustrating situation at the time, but but managed to get through it. So, yeah, Sam, I guess you know to start us off, and you know, before we we get into the today's topic, do you want to just give us a bit of an introduction about yourself and your coaching background, and I guess what's your journey, what's led you to where you are today? Yeah, so um, I've played football since since the age of three. Um, been involved with it all my life. It's it's something that I've always always been involved with. Um, started my coaching badges when I was fif- 15, 16. Um, started started coaching. Went on my level one uh, when I was as soon as I could, uh, and did that with with two top tutors. Um, one one which one which I'm still in contact with now that lives in the local area is Pav Singh, um, a great guy. And then um, from there, went on to coach a, a couple of sort of junior boys football teams. Um, and then um, went on to do my level two, went to university, did my sports coaching degree uh, at Leeds Beckett. Um, and then once I'd done that, I got, uh, I got involved with a few of the sort of the, the few of the older age groups of the junior section at Farsley in terms of the 14s, 15s boys. That was a that was an interesting few a couple of years, um, uh, you know, a learning curve there. And then um, from there, just as I finished, just as I was about to graduate from university, but passed my B license um, with with some great uh, again great great tutors, Ben Hardacre, Julie Chip Chase, um, a couple more that were that were fantastic, um, and then um, I got the Faz Celtic Ladies First Team job. So. Um, I've been in that now, just over two years. So that's where I'm. Uh, that's where I've come from, and day to day work for work for the Lee Rhinos Foundation as a as a part as a sort of cluster coordinator. So look after a range of uh, a range of primary schools across Leeds um, for PE. 
which is uh, which is another good uh, another good part of, of of the coaching journey. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for thanks for sharing. Really, uh, really, really interesting background, actually. And um, I'm interested to know how we're you know transitioning into the women's game. I guess from playing yourself and uh, you know originally coaching more in, uh, in you know in the boys in the boys game, if you like, at, at junior football. So. Tell us a bit about transitioning to the women's uh, women's football. Have you found that? How's that been for you? Uh, enjoyable, shocking, different? What, what <laughs> well, um, no, it's been it's been good. It, it's been good, and I, I've loved every second. To be fair, um, don't get me wrong. It's never been. I wouldn't ever say it's been easy. Um, I don't think any day has been easy. Uh, but I think that goes for for boys and and girls football. Um, I've absolutely loved loved my time so far as in the role that I'm in. Um, you know, I've I've managed to sort of network with the junior girls coaches and and, and sort of tie a bit more of a link there between the, the women's first team and um the women's sort of junior age groups in the club. And I think that's probably been the the best part about it all is is seeing, you know, we've we've got a sort of a big gap between the first team and, and the nearest junior girls side so below the first team we've actually only gotten under 16 so we're looking to build that up into hopefully at the end of this season we'll, we'll be looking to to implement an under sort of an under 21s under 23s um in that in that structure um to really align it with with what the men's want to do and that was due to happen this summer um but obviously we, with obvious situations uh, and circumstances going on it it proved to be difficult to get everything organised in time. So, um, you know, we've, we've delayed that plan to next year. Uh, we, we believe we can do it. Um, and we, we've got a lot of good people within the section now to to push on and get that done. So the transition between the boys and the girls, there was there was a lot of differences. There was, you know, the, in terms of, I found that the intensity wasn't as high when I first came into the women's game. I think that was something that, you have to instill. Um, I don't think that comes. I think with some people that comes naturally. I know, I, sort of a bit of a name drop, but you know somebody we were speaking about previously, um, Adele Jackson, Delph, that that's played for for the first two years. Unfortunately, she's now not with 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 us as a team. Um, but for them first two years, she was she was instrumental into instilling. The level of intensity, the level of you know, the level of know-how, the you know, and, and developing players from from a player's point of view, and and she's somebody that probably really helped me along my way in that first two years. I don't think you know she's she's one of the players, and I you know I could I could name a few name a couple more, um, but she's she's probably one of the players that that really sort of tailored how this first two seasons with the club's gone in terms of the women. So. Um, yeah, I think that was a massive positive getting getting a player in who who has played higher, um, who 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 was experienced, you know, a, a good a good person to have around the team, um, brought the group close together and and really sort of stepped us up by a few notches. I think. Mm. Yeah, yeah, re- really interesting actually. Um, yeah, 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 interesting. Thanks for sharing. So. Yeah, I guess if you, you know, just before we, we get on to the topic, you just want to tell us a bit about the, uh, you know, your journey through sports coaching Leeds Beckett. It's a journey I've done myself and, and found really useful and I think made me a, a much better coach than I was going in. So, you know, if you don't mind, tell us a bit about your journey yeah. and how you found that. Yeah, um, again, I loved it. Um, I couldn't speak, couldn't speak high enough of it um, in terms of Leeds Beckett. I'm, don't get me wrong, I had my times, I think like every student does, where they sort of throw the pen down and go, I can't do this anymore. Um, particularly around dissertation time. Um, but no, listen, I, I I was very apprehensive about going to university and, and I remember always saying to my parents, listen, if I if I don't go to Leeds Beckett, I don't want to go. Um, I, had a, I did have an opportunity to go to America and play football out there on a, on a scholarship. Um, I didn't take it. I didn't want to be, you know, for my own reasons. I didn't want to be away from home, um, and I decided I wanted. I either wanted to go to Beckett or I wanted to get myself into work. Um, 
so I went to I went to Leeds Beckett and I met some great people straight away. Um, the tutors, the, the the lecturers, the you know, and I, I call them tutors because the people there that that are providing you with your lectures, they they're just they're great people. Um, they make you feel settled straight away, and you know, I think it. I think for the sort of the first couple of weeks, I were I were like ringing my mum saying, look. I'm, I'm struggling here. I don't know. I don't know if I'm quite out for this uni lark. And I think after about two weeks, I don't think she heard from me for about a month. So, you know, it was, it was one of them, you know, we, I think university brought me on more as a person than it brought me on as a coach. I think, I think what it actually did was, was bring me on as a person, which allowed me to, to feel more comfortable to then develop my coaching through the other things that I were doing and, and be a bit more confident in in making mistakes in my coaching and and not being not being afraid to to bounce back from them mistakes and make myself better from that. So, you know, every every coach in in every aspect of the coaching, in every aspect of the management, you know, sometimes does something or or makes a mistake that they think could I have done better there? And and the answer is always yes. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, I don't think. I don't think you'll ever find a perfect session. I think I, you know, I always come away from a training session and think, what could I have done better? What could the players have done better? Um, but I think, I think uni brought, you know, uni took me to a, as a person to a different level. And I think that allowed me to, to sort of open a few doors and allow myself to, to better myself in terms of my coaching. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And, uh, I'd certainly agree with you there. Uh, you know, it, it, it same for me. Made me think, yeah, it is okay to make mistakes as a coach. I remember, you know, before I went to uni, I was always obsessed with having a perfect session, and if anything went wrong, I'd always take it to heart and everything. So, no, I think that's a really, really great point you make there. So, uh, yeah, yeah, thanks for sharing. Really interesting background. So, yeah, if we uh, if we move on to, you know, our topic today and what, what we're going to discuss in this episode. So our topic is coaches perceive capital in the women's game, which is something that really interests me because I've just done a bit of work actually on the master's course, all about perceived capital, you know, uh, particularly both in the men's and the women's game. So, you know, I think for obviously yourself, Sam, a lot of experience in the women's game, me that's only just stepped in for the last four months. I think this is going to be a, a really interesting conversation. I'm really looking forward to hearing your uh, your insight, your thoughts and opinions on that today. So, I'm Sam Jackson and you're listening to the Sports Coaching Podcast with Sam Holmshaw. The Sports Coaching Podcast with Sam Holmshaw. I guess, you know, to, to start us off, Sam, for you, you know, when we talk about this word capital, which, you know, I think is probably more uh, an academic term in, in my opinion, but, but, but what is capital? What would, what would capital mean to you? It's... Like like you say, it is a very academic one, um, and I, I think it's it's very much something that I think about when I'm when I'm sort of away from the grass. Um, I don't think it's something to think about while I'm out there, you know, actually coaching. But I suppose I suppose going through you, you know, I got I got back to my university experiences and and being taught, you know, what is it and and what what do we think about it and how, you know, when do we filter it in? <sighs> to me, it's a difficult one. And it's one that I'm still at the minute thinking about myself and thinking about what actually is it in terms of my coaching and what, how much does it impact and affect my coaching? Because like I say, it's not something that I particularly ever really sat myself down and thought about. You know, I know that's probably sorry to all my lecturers at Leeds Beckett, and they're all probably going to be like, "Right, your grades are dropping. I can still change them grades two years after." <laughs> um, but yeah, I I think it's probably something that I probably haven't paid enough attention to, um, and that was that was something when when you sent through the notes the other day. It was something that I thought to myself rather than you know going out and really sitting myself down and sort of rushing that process of finding out what it means for me, I, I'd be quite inclined to think, sort of ask, ask you and bounce that question back to you and, and sort of say what, you know, what could I be doing to, to think about that more? Yeah, that's a, 
That's really interesting. And I wonder, you know, you mentioned just in the introduction there to yourself that you'd had the chance to play to America. So I'm presuming that you are, or, you know, still are, you were it back in day, you were a good player. You had potential to, to go and play for someone. So, you know, I think when I think about capital, I think I, I started as a swimmer. So I didn't start playing football until I was 12. So if you like, I was never anywhere near, if you like, the best in school or the best in the team when I did get around to joining a junior football team. So, you know, capital to me is, I guess, your background, what wealth uh, of experience, you know, what are you carrying with you? So, you know, when I think about coming up as a young coach and going into like schools or going into junior football teams and coaching, the first thing I would always get asked by players or kids, if you like, is, well, what level did you play at? Where did you play? And I always found when I was working with other coaches, oh, well, if one of them had played at Leeds or Sheffield Wednesday or Barnsley, for example, they were automatically assumed to be a better coach because they had that playing experience. So, you know, when I think about capital and, you know, there's, there's obviously different forms, you know, educational capital is one, which is why I'm always branding myself as Sam Show MSC, try and give me that bit more capital. But to me, it's all about, you know, what, is your experience or what is your perceived knowledge based on your background? So to me, it's always been something I've, I've really thought about because, you know, as a young coach and not coming from, you know, not playing for like an academy myself, I've always felt it's kind of made young kids particular or working with men look at me and go, oh, well, he, he doesn't have enough knowledge as someone else because he's not played at that level. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, I think that's interesting. And, you know, I wonder if that's because you've, probably had a lot more success than me as a player you, know, you mentioned you, you could have gone to America so maybe that's something yeah. that never really had to cross your mind yeah I mean I suppose you know I've never I'll be the first one to to, to say that I've never been in a, in a sort of let's say a, a proper academy if you like um, I've always been one to sort of go into a group of people and, and this is this is part of the process that I, I spoke about with in terms of university bringing me on as a person because before university you know I, I was very much the person that I would go into a group and and until it'd take me you know quite a, a couple of days if you're on a coaching course I'd be quiet and I'd be quite reserved for the first two or three days especially on my level one and two sort of sat back and watch all these sort of let's say more experienced heads that have been in football for longer and sort of think, well, they've been doing it longer, so they're better than me. Yeah. And and maybe that was maybe that was the case at the time. And, and I'm sure that there's 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 a there's a lot of B licensed coaches out there that that are better than me still. Um, you know, I, for me, the the title of having your B license doesn't really mean a great deal. Um, I think it just opens up opportunities and doors. Yeah. Um, and I think I think that's the same with you. You know, you, you get you get a, a huge bank of knowledge and 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 develop while you're going throughout your your academic sort of university college things like that. And all my all my courses and and interests have always been aligned in terms of always wanted to do. I've always wanted to be involved in football. I've always wanted to be involved in sport. And if if that wasn't the case, and if I wasn't going to do that, then being brutally honest, I don't really know what I'd go do. I mean, it's been one of them things that I've focused on it so much. Um, and I suppose that's, I suppose that's occupied my mind more than anything. Um, you know, you spoke about having success. Yeah. Yeah. I've had, you know, I've had a little bit of success. I've played in, you know, I've played in cup finals. I've, I've played at an okay standard. Um, I'm getting back playing at the minute and, you know, I had my first session last night and I loved it. Um, I loved being back out on the grass and, and playing and a little bit controversial. I loved not having to coach and just allowing myself just to play. And and what was actually interesting at one point throughout, we were, we were doing a certain drill at one point and I was speaking to the other defenders and they were saying, oh, get together and have this discussion. And... I sat back straight away and I, I thought to myself, hang on a minute, that's what I did five years ago. Yeah. Like this is and I I think if I was in a if I was in the coach's position, I'd be the first one to go, 
this is how you know this is how i think this is how i want you to think have a, have a thinking how we can how can we sort of gel that together and i step back in you know it's probably the first time i've i've properly played in a couple of years so i stepped back in that environment and i stepped back straight away and allowed them to talk and that was a, that was a perception of well these boys have been here months weeks whatever so they're going to know what he wants straight away. So I'll sit back. I'll let it learn off them. Yeah. And about 15 minutes in, one of the lads turned around to me and said, oh, what academies have you played for then? And I was like, I haven't. Like, I've, I've, just, I've just played football. I've learned. And, and I think, you know, one of the lads turned around to me and said, oh, they were taking, well, funnily enough, they were taking the academy about my pace, which as a centre-half, in, in at the top of my level of skills. Um, <laughs> But they were taking the mick out of me about that and he just said, no, he said, but you make up for it with how you read, sort of how you read certain situations. And that was interesting. And I, and I, and I came up from last night thinking to myself, I wonder if that is because I do coach. I wonder if that is because I've got that other side to it where I'm constantly thinking, what would I want a centre-half in my team to be doing? Yeah. Um, so I, I naturally, I wonder if I'm naturally doing that now on the football pitch and whether that's going to take me to a, to another level in terms of my playing, but you know, um, I think in terms of I think in terms of what how I how I see people, I think that's very much changed. I think having a perception on somebody um, because of their title, I think I think can quite easily be misleading, you know. And and this is the point. I I think I, I've been to watch some some air licensed coaches who were fantastic and then I've been to watch some air licensed coaches where I've thought really yeah you know I, I, I think I'm probably I, I do a little bit more in my sessions to help the players and and, and, and I, but that isn't you know that that can happen you know I'm sure level two coaches have looked at me and thought really because every single coach has a different set of expertise, I believe, and yeah, you know, I've always played. I've always played in a centre half or a fullback role, and I find myself a lot of the time being able to help those players more. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't think that you know it, it, it's great to have these top top qualifications, but what you also find is a lot of these people have these top top qualifications, but actually how much experience have they got Not, yeah maybe and how, how how real is it you know yeah. I, I i sit down with some coaches sometimes and on your coaching courses and you're networking and and they go oh well i've, I've got the x y and z all right you must be good then and then you turn around and a question gets asked and they're sort of saying oh well how do you do this how you know how would you adapt in this and the, and the answer is very you sort of think it's very vague and you wonder whether that's down to experience. So I, for me, I, I think experience is, is way, outweighs titles, qualifications, yeah. pieces of paper in, in a heartbeat. And I think, you know, you, you get yourself into a good role of, of doing a, the mixture of both. And I think, I think coaches go a lot further. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, uh... Really interesting, actually. You know what you've what you've just been saying, and, and the first thing I picked on, up on, you know, when you were sharing your experience uh, of playing there, is that they said, "Well, what academies have you played for?" Then, well, you know, it, it made me chuckle because I've always had that. Whenever I've gone and coached, if I've gone and played, it's always been, "No, what academy did you play for?" Then, well, I didn't. And for me, when you give that answer of "I didn't," the perception suddenly goes, "Oh." And I think, you know, this, this whole idea of capital in a, I suppose in a wider sense, it goes into a society, really. It is that inner judgment of who you are, how good you are and all that. So, you know, you, you were talking about titles there and I think you make some really great points. It, you know, probably doesn't demonstrate who you are or your knowledge or your ability. It kind of just opens doors for you. But to me, that is perceived capital. So, you know, me at minute, just, you know, getting through level two, I can't seem to get a job anywhere because I haven't got that UEFA B qualification, but I sit at home so frustrated because I think, well, you know, 
just because I haven't got that, it probably doesn't reflect my experience. But that's me knowing that myself and my belief in myself because I think I'm, you know, I think I'm good at what I do. But for my perceived capital, because I haven't got that UEFA B qualification, I think I'm not perceived to be as intelligent as someone who does have a UEFA B qualification or the same amount of experience or the same amount of knowledge. And, you know, you know, in my experience as well, it, it comes from your age. So I've, I've worked in a lot of coaching contexts where, you know, I've come in as a young 20, 21, 22 year old. You know, older coaches have looked at me and gone, not sure about his knowledge. And you've had to like demonstrate that. Uh, playing background, I think, is one coaching experience. So, you know, if I've gone in and said, oh, well, actually, I've, I were a performance analysis at Barnsley for a couple of months, that makes them go, oh, he's, well, he's been at Barnsley, so he must be a better coach. So, you know, to me, it is all about that, I guess, that perceived ability, perceived experience of what you've got because, you know, what you've got on your CV, basically, or how old you are or what's your playing background. And, yeah, I, I just think it's it, it's really interesting. And I think it's interesting that you've not, I suppose, I don't know if you've come across it or it's never really been a conscious, because it's always been something, I think, you know, I think when I started at 17, it's always been on my mind. But, again... I didn't play at high level. I started at 12. So I've always been looking at extra stuff to do to try and figure, yeah. you know, people don't think about that and go, oh, I actually studying a master's. So maybe he is, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I think, I think what I've found is because I've, you know, you, because I've never played in that, that academy standard and that official academy standard. And I, you know, I've never quite broken through to that. And, for what for one reason or another that that I haven't, I think your development becomes harder straight away. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, you you make a great point about you know co- you know positions in football clubs, positions in you know in what in, in ideally what I think both of us would like to work in. Um, would I love to go and work in an academy now? Of course I would. Yeah. Um, but you sit down and you look at. You know, you look at the job posts that get put out and, and you sat there and you're looking at them and you're thinking, this is the person's specification. And every single one of them you look at and you think, I meet that, I meet that, I meet that, I meet that. And then it gets to the bottom and it goes, you wait for a licence. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but I meet everything else. Yeah. I'm a 23-year-old kid. Yeah. You know, I'm, I am still learning my trade. There's not, there's, you know, I, I, and I will be until I probably finish. I, and this is what I mean. I don't think anybody's perfect. I'll, I'll still be able to develop a part of my coaching right when I finish. Um, oh, I'm getting something popping up. Um, so I, I, I think that's always a block. And I think we've, I think people that, you know, I do think that people who have played academy standard, who have played in a club's youth team or played, you know, done one year in, you know, I, I know one player who's, one person who, who's played in, you know, he played one year of professional football and, and he he's, since then he, he's just, every season, he, I think he's moved to a club further and further down the pyramid. Mm. And yet, He's always getting opportunities. Yeah, because he's had that year in professional football. And that, and that's that's my that's my biggest frustration is that sometimes I think the perceive you, you know as a person and as a as, and as a professional, you're perceived as something lower to what you potentially could be. Definitely. You know how how do those people know? How do these employers know that? Actually, well, I'm getting six people apply for this post. Well, I'm getting seven people apply for this post. One has got meets all the person's specification, but just doesn't have his A license. The others have their A license, but actually how much of that person's specification do they meet? Yeah. And I think that's where, I think, being honest, I think that's where employers have got to change. I think think there's got to be a more of an all-rounded look at, how they employ coaches and how that you know for me what i've found out since you know since starting certainly with the women's first team is that because when players turn around to you and they say oh what level did you used to play at then and i'll you know i'll be open and honest about it and i'll tell them and i'll say you know the x y and z 
And then they'll they'll sort of turn around and go, all right, so you haven't actually played that high then. And I'd be like, well, no, but I've worked in coaching since I was 15 yeah. and I will do this, this and this. Yeah. And I think what's actually really interesting about that then, it took a player's, a player turns from thinking, this this guy's going to give me all the knowledge I need. Yeah. So actually, because he hasn't played so high up, yeah. I want to know he cares about my development before yeah. I'm going to then listen to what he's actually, you know, to yeah. what he's saying. And I think that's the biggest that's the biggest thing for the people that haven't. So like myself yeah. and yourself who haven't played right high up, yeah. the players now want to know, okay, he actually cares about developing me as a player. Yeah. And as soon as they realise and, and understand that that's the case, that's when they buy in properly. Yeah. Um, and, and don't get me wrong, I've had players over the last two seasons that haven't noticed that and that have been with me six months, nine months, a year, and they just, they couldn't, they, that, that didn't get through to them that I really did care about their development. Yeah. Um, but they, they, they thought they deserved more yeah the sports coaching podcast with sam holmshaw really fascinating actually uh, and, and, and again i think you make some really good points you know you mentioned there about your cvs and applying to these jobs and you are absolutely right i go through that every time i look at a job application i look yeah tick 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 i think i've covered this i think i've covered that oh you wait for b just missing yeah. And how many times do you get? How many times do you find yourself going down the list and smiling more and more, thinking, yeah. "Oh, this could be, this could be potential." Yeah. Get anything? Oh. Yeah, yeah. And you send it off, and you never hear a response. And you know, it is something that I find really frustrating. How, you know, and I guess there's got to be some criteria, you know, for for giving people opportunities for an interview and such. But at the same time, you know, I wish they actually took a minute to look at. You know, so it's like I've set up this website and podcast, you know, and an honest big reason for me doing that is to gain more capital for people yeah. maybe to listen and go, oh, actually, maybe this kid has a bit of experience here. Let's give him a job here or let's give him or let's read his blog. Oh, he knows what he's talking about. Let's give him a job yeah. here. You know, and, you know, to be fair, it has worked for me and it's, and it's probably helped me gain the role at Centralians now. But I think that is a is a massive problem. And, you know, I've said it a lot where you're not given that opportunity because they're looking at a piece of paper and the perceived capital is not as high because like you said, you're missing that UEFA A license, which in, in really, you know, have they got the same experience as you coaching from 15? Probably not, but maybe they've just done that a bit quicker and it's yeah. gone to where they are. So, you know, that, that's certainly something I share with you that I think what I think is a big frustration. And I think it all just goes, you know, back down to the perception of what is good coaching. You know, you mentioned about your players have asked you, you know, what level did you play at then? And it's like you say, and we were just saying, as soon as you turn around and say, oh, I've, I've actually not played that hard, straight away there's a thought of, oh, maybe he's not as good as he is then. Or how can he be as good as he actually is with us? Because he's not got that playing experience. And again, it, it really fascinates me in a way of where does this perception that making you a good player makes you a good coach when we've got people like Mourinho's come through, You've even got, you know, Julian Nagelsmann now at Leipzig, who started at 28, 28, unbelievable age to start, you know, absolutely ripping it up. And, you know, okay, he played semi-professional, I think Mourinho did, but, you know, is that a higher standard compared to others? And look how well they've done. And, yeah, you know, I, I think like you say, you know, me and you obviously have these similar frustrations and, and, and similar problems, uh, you know, because you don't always have that, perceived capital because you maybe you're lacking this qualification or you're lacking something there so you know you know it's really interesting and I think if we if we just move it on slightly to you know the differences between perceived capital from your players so you know you mentioned it there just slightly we're buying but you know from your experience and you know I'm going to bring mine in first but I'm going to ask you about yours you know from coaching uh, you know junior football in the uh, you know in, in the boys game should we say or, or coaching men and coaching women do you find there are differences in that perceived capital? So, you know, a women, from my experience, men and boys would always ask you, where have you played? Where have you coached at? Whereas women don't really care. I don't think I've had any of my players ask me. Yeah, I, I don't think I've particularly had any of, of my current players ask me. Um, 
and I don't think I think it's come up in conversation at times and about you know when 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 I've been trying to sort of create a relationship with a you know a good working relationship with a player um you you know you ask them where they've played before okay where you're coming from where have you you know what have you, what's your experiences growing up when did you start in 11 aside football you know all these things um and you tell them a little bit about yourself as well and i think that's where that conversation comes through there i think you're right in terms of i think in boys football i think boys do care a little bit more in terms about where you've, you know, where you've coached, where you've played, where, you know, what standard you've played at. And whether that's because, do they, do they look up to you a little bit more in terms of, do they think, okay, well, he's been at that club, so maybe he can help me get to that club or mm. can he get to that? You know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I know that the women's structure of the, of the leagues is different to the men's. I know that, you know, there's there's not always the same opportunity, um, and I'm a I'm a strong believer in that, and I you know I, I hate it because I think I genuinely do believe that that some of the women's players that I've I've coached in the, over the last two and a half years, technically are the some of the best players I've I've coached, mm. um, and. And mentally, some of the best players, you know, they, some of the, some of them read the game better than a lot of a lot of the lads I've coached. Um, so I think that's another interesting sort of string to that or branch to that, if you like. Um, but I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think you know, in simple terms, I think the boys do care a little bit more about where you've played at. But I think there's that. There's always that. You find a lot more with the boys that there is a lot more pressure off parents and peers to be that, well, I'm the best footballer in the school. Yeah. I'm the best yeah. footballer in, in Leeds. I'm the best footballer, you know, in the county. You know, the, there's always that. You know, growing up, I I was never the best in the school. There was there was players in my. I've grown up, luckily for me, surrounded by players that did play in academies. You know, we had lads that played in Huddersfield Towns Academy when when that were there. I, you know, we had lads. I've I've I played with lads now. One's playing at Swansea, and he's in the first team at Swansea, and I played with him at college. Mm. And when I, the year I left college, he then went and signed for Swansea, and it was like. You know, I've always knew, knew he had the talent, but how was he just being picked up like that? Yeah. But I think there's always that, you know, walking around, yeah. you, whatever your age you're at in terms of men's football, you know, or, or boys' football, there is that egotistical side to it with, with, yeah. with a lot of them that they want to be the best. They want to be the biggest, you know, the, the biggest show player, if you like. Yeah. Um, and, and they want to have that title of when people turn up to training going oh well he's going to be hard to tackle isn't he because he's so good yeah yeah. Um, I think I think that's where you know I think that's where the difference is in between you know between the men's and the women's game you, you find a lot more of the, of the you know the women come to football and, and a lot of them don't place themselves higher than anybody else. They just yeah. come, they play, they, you know, they put their head down and they work hard. You, you get the odd exception to that, don't get me wrong. You know, I've, I've had experience of the odd exception to those, those types. But I think you're always going to. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that, that then becomes a point of, OK, can we, can we work together? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and again, some really great points you make. Uh, you know, I, I'm... I, you mentioned there about, you know, when you're coaching boys, are they almost looking at you in it? It's interesting that because would it be different for, you know, a, a, a woman head coach working in the women's game because they're looking at, you know, them being the same sex and well, maybe they've been there at a level I want to get to. You know, that that could be something as well that, that I've not really considered. But I, I think that's a really interesting point. And, you know, it almost makes me wonder if it is the state of where football is in this country for the men's game and the women's game, you know, when I think about when I coached in America, you know, I went over there 
coaching, you know, young boys under 21 uh, men. And, you know, I was perceived to be an expert because I was English and England is the home of football. But, you know, it makes me wonder and, you know, I'd be, I'd be really intrigued that, you know, the women's game over in America, which we know is, is, is the home of women's football, if you like, or women's soccer, you know, would that be slightly different, the capital over there, where maybe, you know, like it is with the men here being egotistical, would it be like that in America with the women, you know? I think, I think that's a really interesting one. I think, yeah, 100%, couldn't agree more. I think, I, I have to say that the, you know, the, the game out here in terms of women's football and the opportunities they've got has massively progressed. Mm. Um, I don't think we should, I don't think we should sort of be blind to that. Um, I think I think it has massively progressed, and I think that the players and the opportunities they get, um, the coaches, you know, the the coaching they get has progressed, um, and I think the people, you know, the the level of buy-in of people that want to be involved in women's football has massively developed. Mm. I don't, however, think it's anywhere near perfect, mm. and I and I and I still think that. There are so many things that a lot of people could do and a lot of clubs could facilitate um, that would give the female players the same level of opportunity as the male players in the club. And I, and I think we have to, you know, you never know what's going on behind the scenes at at the FA and and down and you know your local county FAs, you know you, you can't knock the FA and the county FA about you know what how they're trying to grow the game in terms of you know and, and put a lot of you know there's a there's a lot of great people involved in the women's game now women's and girls game should I say that are really wanting to develop it. Part of my role at um, at the Rhinos Foundation and and through the Westlead Sports Partnership, um, we're running a, a women's and girls football program um, and it's about getting into primary schools and getting more girls involved in football in some capacity whether that be a marketeer capacity whether that be a leadership capacity whether that be a playing capacity and we're you know myself and and Charlie Payat who's who's um, who's the boss of the West Leeds partnership and you you know a great person um, and we, you know, we're going through this process together, and don't get me wrong. There's there's a lot more people involved in the in the West Leeds partnership that are involved in this program mm. that are doing some amazing work. And I think across the West Leeds, we are seeing results straight away. So I think that's one of the very small components to improving the game long term. And I think you know, over the next sort of ten fifteen years, we will we will sort of look back at this conversation. You know whether whether it's over an orange juice down the local um, or whatever else. I'm sure me and you will probably still sit here saying there's things that we can do to improve the game. Yeah. But I think we will also sit there and go look at how far we've come from 15 years ago. Mm. Um, and you know I think that's a, a small component of what the FA are doing, and that you know that's that's sponsored by you know, Barclays who are massive, you know, they're, they're, they're so into it. They're so, they want to back it so much. And, and, and without that support from them, they, this, this whole opportunity for them girls in that primary school couldn't happen. Mm. Um, so I, you know, that's, like I said, that's a small component of it. And I think as a, as a, as a, as a nation, as a, as an organization, I think we've got to look at what, the US are doing for women's soccer. Why is women's soccer in the US so attractive for players to go out there and play football? Mm. You know, why, why, why is that? And why, why is it, you know, I, I can completely understand why players want to go to America and play football. What a life, yeah. you know, the sun, the, you know, how often do you go, how often do you, would you ever see a bad facility in the US? Yeah. And you can say what you want about, okay, well, we get worse weather, we get more rain, we get this, we get that, we get the other. But actually, every nation is going to get a different set of, of hurdles to overcome. And the US, you know, I go out once a year and for, for a couple of weeks. And you look at the facilities that the universities have got out there, and I mean, 
don't get me wrong, at Beckett, me and you both know, being at Beckett, they have some of the best facilities, sports facilities, and especially with the new development that they've just put on site, they have some of the best sports facilities in, the, in England by a country mile. Yeah. But, we're, but it's still nowhere near what the likes of some of the universities have out in there. You know, the, oh, yeah. these stadiums you're watching, I, I go on to another sport, but you watch the NFL draft. Yeah. These lads in, in, in college are playing in front of 60,000 people. Unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah. And, and, and you play a university game here. Yeah. And you play in front of your pals who you're about to go on a night out with it three hours later. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, this is, yeah. but this is, you know, this is real. This yeah. is... This is where we're at, and that and that goes across men's and women's football. Yeah, that's not that's not one or the other. That's across both. So yeah. I think we as a as a as a as a nation and as a as the FA, and it might come across quite controversial, but in my personal opinion, I think yeah, we do a lot of things amazing. You know, we do a lot of amazing work. We do a lot of things to a great standard, and you know, the men. The, the men's and women's national team for, for our country are doing really well um, and certainly competing with that US football team now on a more regular basis in terms of the women's football but I think there's a learning opportunity for both countries there can we provide more support to the US to you know to, to develop their men's because I think that's a massive weakness for them you know, it's, it's nowhere near as big. It's nowhere near as, as, as good. You know, there's a reason why the, the, the Premier League is known as the best league in the world. Mm. But then actually, rather than just going, well, we can teach you everything, guys. Why don't we sit down and go, well, what are you doing for the women that we're not? Why are you getting so much success in that? Yeah. That what are we not doing that you are? Yeah. And it boils down to so much more than just facilities. It boils down to opportunities. It boils down to, you know, the 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 access to these to these opportunities that that, that everybody that everybody gets. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I mean, some some really great points you mentioned there. And it, and it, and it's funny because you know, like you say, why aren't you know? I don't know if we are, but you know, like you said, there could be a link there where. You know the FA is going up. You know, having a look at the model, if you like, you know, their performance model, or, or what they're doing, and and why the women's game is so great. But you know, again, when you go back to that capital, I had, a, I had an American coach on uh, season two, the final episode called Scott Martin, and he he was talking about you know, when you come to Europe as an American coach, it's very difficult to be respected because mm-hmm. America is soccer. So mm-hmm. straight away, you going back to capital, you're perceived to have so much less you know football knowledge if you like because you're coming from america and you know it, it, it does make you wonder again at the fa well you know we're the home of football we don't need any help i, I don't know if they are or not you know so you know that, that's really interesting as well uh, but yeah I, I certainly agree with you about the women's game i think about us at centralians you know we've we've got 25 players which you know, me going into this season, I didn't think we'd get anywhere near that amount. And by the way, we've had to turn away a good six or seven players. You know, the the the, the sport for for women's demand now, I think, and especially being involved in it now and actually becoming quite, you know, very invested in, in wanting to grow the game and, you know, feeling a part of this this inequality that women go through. And I think, you know, equal pay is, is just a brilliant step from the FA. But it, it is really fascinating, actually, how much interest there is now in the women's side and you know and again you mentioned earlier that the women you've worked with some of the best you've ever worked with I'd, I'd certainly agree with that some of the some of the girls we've got are just unbelievably talented and you're thinking what are you doing at this level you should be at, at Man United or Man City but again you know and you know even for the players yourself you think about the capital you know if, if they if, if you compare that to a male in, in the same talent level their capital would be Oh, I think I'm good enough to play for an academy. But are those girls thinking the same thing? And again, you know, just just as the game's grown, I, I just think that's really interesting. Yeah, I, and I think I think don't get me wrong, I'm I'm not sitting here saying that the that there isn't a link between, and I'm not saying that the the US and the English FAs aren't trying to work together to help each other learn and develop. 
but I think that there's if that is happening behind the scenes, then get us all involved in that. You know, the we we want to help. We want to you know we want us as coaches, us as players. We want to to be. You know, we're in the game because we want to drive the sport and the game forward. Allow us to be involved in those discussions because, again, I go back to it. There's a lot of people at the FA. Well, I would go. I would go as far as saying, 100% of people at the FA have outstanding knowledge of football, of sports in general, of how they can drive a sport forward. And by no means am I sort of this person that's just. I know it all. Mm. But there's also going to be a lot of real experiences that coaches in the female game can can provide straight from their own back to somebody from the USF, you know, the USFA, whatever it may be. Well, let me, you know, let, let you sit down with somebody from over there and tell them your experiences and what you're having, the hurdles you're having to go over and why you feel like you're having to go over them hurdles. Let, you know, let me do that. Let other coaches do that. And I'm sure people would, but I think everything's at times is kept in house. And I think that is, that's a massive, I think that has to change. Yeah, definitely. The Sports Coaching Podcast with Sam Holmshaw. Definitely. Uh, Yeah. Again, some really, some really great points you mentioned. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just quite conscious of time. I don't want to take up your time all morning because we're all there oh, for quite a bit. But you know, I guess if we move on to our final bit of discussion, you know, for for, for ten or fifteen minutes more, yeah. You know, so when we think about this idea of capital, and you know, I, I always finish. I always have you know implications for coaching practice. So you know, for coaches coming through, listening to this, you know, whatever age, whatever background, wanting to gain capital, and you know, as we were mentioning, we found it frustrating to get jobs. What would be your advice? to gain and let me apologize for me dogs there you can probably hear me in the background but what would your what would your advice be for gaining capital as a young coach you know what is, are you better off getting your badges done or are you better off doing your experience doing as many experiences as you can what, what would be your advice from your own experience sir? that's a tough one um work hard don't be scared of overcoming obstacles don't be scared of don't be scared off from doing what you're doing because of difficult situations at times. Um, stick to your principles. Stick to what you know. Build a build a bank of principles that what you're about and what you want to do. Um, be adaptable with those principles in terms of when you're working with a different range of players. I think that's I think that's massive. Um, but don't forget that you will you will come across difficult experiences that will make you sit there and think, "Am I am I am I doing enough? Yeah. Am I am I doing this right?" Yeah. And they, and and these experiences, whether it be experiences with you know uh, you know a couple of bad performances on the bounce from your team experience of building relationships with players experience there's, there's, I could reel a load off but these experiences are there and they are if you treat them and if you have the, the right mentality if you treat them right they are probably the biggest learning curves you'll you'll have in your coaching journey yeah. regardless of what coaching badges you go on so I think it's important to have a good balance and not to rush your coaching badges. Don't just do your level two or your B license a year prior to when you you know when you feel like you're ready to do it because you feel like, well actually I'll be ready to do it in a year. So if I do want to start my B license now, and that's gonna take me a season. So at the end of my B license, I'll be ready. So that'll that'll align. Don't do that. Yeah. Wait till you're ready. Wait till I, I would I would go as far as saying at the time when the day when you wake up feeling 
right, I'm ready to do that now. I feel ready and I feel like I've got enough knowledge to go onto that course and to do that. Give yourself another month. Yeah. Give yourself another month of waking up with that feeling because the more and more you wake up with that feeling, the more and more you're going to sit there and think, I am good enough. Mm. And I think if you don't have confidence in yourself, if you don't back yourself, you know, there's times when players... In, in the junior age groups that I've coached, in, in certainly in the, the, you know, in the first couple of years of my open age with the, with the women, players have come to me and said, ask me a question. And I've had to, not that I didn't know the answer, but I didn't 100% know the, that that was the right solution. Yeah. But what do you do? Do you stand there and do you say, I don't know, which provides no assurance to the player of, what you're actually asking them to do. Yeah. Or do you stand there and go, I'm going to act confident. I'm going to give them a confident answer. I'm going to give it as best as I can. And then while we're on, while we're in the game, if that's not working, I'll adapt then. Yeah. But at least the player's going out confident in their job role. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, these are, these are things I think the more and more you can have that, that feeling of I'm ready to do that and to take that next step. Yeah. Whenever you come across a hurdle and whenever you sort of knock a hurdle over rather than jump over it properly, you're always gonna, you know, you're always that time's always gonna slow down, isn't it? Yeah. You know, you you're never gonna get a world record by knocking over four hurdles. So it's not, it really isn't like you say, the coach that started at twenty eight year old, look at him, he's flying. And maybe that's because he's got a load of life experiences prior to go to stepping into coaching, which has allowed him to propel himself so high. I'm, you know, as I say, I'm young. I'm, you know, I'm a young coach, and to be to be managing a, a first team at the age I am, did I think that was possible five years ago? Probably not. Mm. Probably not. I thought I was going to be waiting till my thirties at least, because I think. That's another perception that you've got to look at is players and other people, you know, people watching your team, players watching, you know. Once the players know you, they know that you've got the, you, they know that you've got the ability to do it and to yeah. do the job properly. But I think it's, it would be easy for a lot of people to turn around and say, well, he's only 23 and he hasn't played at high level. So yeah. do I trust him yeah. to, to, to help me develop? Yeah. Um, and like I say, that, that perception changes when you prove it to them. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I think just the, the key to the coaches, to any upcoming coaches and, 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 and a reminder to myself more than anything is, is just don't rush. Don't rush into it because your opportunity will come. Your time will come. You know, you, you will get there. But you're going to have to work hard and you're going to have to grim and bear some some things and some frustrations like me and you do probably on a day-to-day basis with coaching that you aren't going to like and that are going to make you sit there and doubt yourself and you need to have the will and the drive to turn around and say that ain't going to define me. Yeah, yeah. I, f- I think that's, that's, that's really great advice, actually. Uh, you know, you know I, I go through it all the time where apply for a coaching role like we said before I think I can you know I think I tick every box don't seem to get it because I missed that badge and I always think to myself you know why have I not done that UA for B yet why, why am I only just finishing that level two now at 23 24 you know I should have done it years ago and I sometimes like you know really beat myself up about it but you know I speak to my dad a lot about it and he, he says same as you you know it's it's not a linear process in a way, develop coach development, coach learning. And you're right, get your experience in first and worry about that. Like, and, and, you know, I think that's what I've done and I would certainly agree with you there. And, you know, there's times where I've been coaching the women and I think to myself, I could have done this four years ago, you know, mm. and thinking, why haven't I done it four years ago? But at the same time, you think to yourself, but, you know, going back to what you were saying of I'm ready, I didn't sit at 2021 thinking, I think I could do this, but I don't know if I'm ready. Whereas when I got to 23, I was like, nah, I'm ready now. I feel like I'm, I'm enough. And I think that's probably proved, you know, I, not to suit me or no, but I think I'm doing a pretty good job at the minute. Yeah. But 
No, I, th- I think you're so right. And the more coaches I speak to, they, they say the same thing, you know. And I think there's a danger of doing your badges, you know, maybe too quickly and not developing alongside it. And all right, like you said, it does open you the door. Yeah. But when that door opens, are you ready for it? You know, because yeah. you might have got that perceived capital. But I think another problem with this perceived capital is, but, you know, as soon as you're in that door, that perception goes away and you've got to prove you're ready. Can you? Yeah, I, I think I think the other thing is that that all coaches develop at different rates. Yeah, you you learn at different rates. It's, it's like going through school. You might not be the best. You know, you might not be top set maths all the time going through school. But what happens at the end of the year eleven? Everybody sits the same exam, and you often find that people in set two turn around and get a better grade than set one. Yeah, and and, and that's. You know, it, because some set one pupils have been put in that and they've been told by the two at school, you're good enough to be in set one. But is that a comfortable environment for them to learn in? Mm. And if they've, have, they, have they benefited from that? Probably yeah. not. Um, or, or some of them. Yeah. But, you know, I think that, you know, it's got to be the right time for the coach. The coach has got to feel within themselves it, it's, it's the right time. Yeah. It's the right time to take that. And I think I think a lot of the tutors on 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 these courses, you know, with the FA, they're great. I've learned so much for them. Um, the, the one that I've, that really, really got through to me and it was a really sort of light bulb moment, Gordon Staniforth, an unbelievable, unbelievable coach mentor. I, you know, I, Julie Chip Chase, an un, unbelievable coach mentor. Um, and and I've and I've had loads. I've mentioned a couple on here now. You know, Pav Singh really keeps in contact with me and, and offers me support all the time. Couldn't speak highly enough of, of these people. But they will all turn around to you and say, "Develop at your own pace." Yeah. But you will develop at your own pace by going and doing three things: reflecting on your own sessions, gaining the experience by doing your own sessions and by making mistakes in going and watching other coaches coach. Yeah. Go and watch another coach coach. It doesn't matter what level of, you know, it doesn't matter what standard of coach or what badge they've got. It doesn't matter what standard of football their team is playing at. Go and watch them coach because I could, I, I, I'm sure I'd come to one of your sessions and I'd be like, why don't I do that? Mm. It's such a simple thing, but why don't I do that? You know, and I and then I'd go to somebody else's session. And I might go to, you know, Chris Ames at Bradford City winning. You know, a great coach. I might, you know, I might look at one of his sessions one time and and think, wow, you know, why don't I do that? Yeah. So I think you know these these coach mentors are great. Um, Gordon, like I say, that was my one light bulb moment that that really stands out to me um, with him. Uh, and what they will all tell you to learn off, off peers. It's what you do all your life. You yeah, grow up learning right, off yeah. peers. Yeah. You grow up, you know, how, how, how do you, how, how often do your grandparents turn around to you and go, how do you know how to do that so easily? So, well, because you just trial and error. Yeah. So why is that any different for learning how to coach? You've got to do it. You've got, if you're not, you, you can, you can go through as many badges as you want, but if you're not doing it, then you're never going to get the real experiences. Yeah. 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 Really, really, really great points again, Sam. And I think that concludes very nicely. Uh, first, first to finish off today. I've, I've, I've really enjoyed that today. Uh, I think that's a great episode for, for season three. And again, just, you know, some really, some really great discussions about capital, uh, you know, especially for young coaches coming through and, you know, some of the, problems that me and you have faced in our experience but yeah I, I, I think like you say some 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 really great advice there uh from from some of the coach mentors you, you've mentioned and yeah you know what I think just to add to that like like we said it, it's not a non-linear process learning that's what I seem to be experiencing more and more all the time you know progress at your own rate you know there, there's no rush so yeah yeah, really, really great episode, Sam. So I guess, you know, for uh, for people listening or coaches listening, if they have any questions, you know, might want to contact you for a chat or just, you know, follow you, see what you're doing, what's what's best place to reach you. 
Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I'm on. I am on Twitter. Um, I'll I'll send you all my details to to, to tag me in your Twitter and and your other social media pages. Um, I don't mind providing my email if if people want to get in touch over email to to sort of you know pick my brains, the brains that I do have. Um, but you know it, it would be you know it would be great to have more of these conversations, and I and I would. I would sort of encourage anybody to have more of these conversations and, and pick every pick each other's brains because you know I, I've come away from here learning um, learning this morning in the in the short space of time that we've had uh, and yeah you know get in contact with me I'm more than happy to speak to anybody um, but I, but I, I would also love to pick their brains as well so. Absolutely. Two-way learning process. Same for me, learned a lot this morning. Yeah, brilliant. Just leaves me to say, Sam, uh, thanks Thanks so much for your time. Like I said, the long time in the process, this one, but we finally got yeah. there and it will worth it, will not it? Really. I'll look for that orange juice in 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hopefully we're professionals and we'll be together by then. Yeah. Exactly. But, but no, really great stuff. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for your, thanks for your time. And uh, yeah, just once again, thanks to all our listeners. Uh, lot of stuff lined up for season three so i uh, hope you've enjoyed this one today and keep on listening for us but yeah sam thanks for your time I'm sure we'll uh, chat again as uh, as we always do great to connect and uh, yeah see everyone next week